Steve, we're back on another episode of the Steel Target Paint Podcast. How you been? I'm doing great, Jeff. We got a special one today. Yeah, it's very exciting. We've got Mike Foley, president of the USPSA and the Steel Challenge Shooting Association, back on to talk about distribution of classifications and and the changes in the peak times. Mike, welcome. How you doing? I'm doing great, fellas. Well, Mike, you know, you and I, uh, we're, you're still at the nine days of nationals. I just got done. I shot the optics one. It's very busy, so we really appreciate you taking the time to talk Steel Challenge. No problem at all. I just paused the shooting this afternoon. I told everyone to be real quiet while I was on this phone call, and that we'd go back to shooting as soon as we're finished. Awesome. <laughs> just kidding. They're still well, shooting. Steve... <laughs> <laughs> um, well, Mike, you've mentioned to me that um, – on a weekly basis, I think Zach Jones uh, runs your report uh, regarding some of the information about the classifications. Uh, can you share some of that with us? Absolutely. So, you know, to start, Zach and I were were involved heavily in the first change from the from the old Steel Challenge classification system to the one that we're using today. Uh, that benchmark uh, occurred in July of 2016 and the way that steel challenge is classified now is 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 based on uh, peak stage times and everyone's percentage to those peak stage times and those times are set from uh, the steel challenge world speed shooting championship uh, with emphasis from other large tier three events where all the pros are and Jeff you were a big part of the most recent reset which we talked about uh, not too long ago on another episode uh, but I'm happy to report that in, in July of 2016, we had 3,619 classifications in Steel Challenge. Uh, as of this week, we have 15,093, uh, meaning in the last two years and three months, uh, we grew 11,474 classifications, a 317% growth. And you know, in just a little over two years, uh, it's 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 also interesting to note that steel challenge classifications uh, are not a distribution model. When we talk about 95% to be GM, that doesn't mean that the top five percent of competitors are grandmasters. Uh, it means that people who are able to shoot. Uh, consistently within within five percent of the peak stage time, or, or to cumulatively add up to within five percent of the peak stage time or grandmasters. It's the same way in USPSA, and so a lot of people uh, miss that point. Uh, in USPSA, for example, it's somewhere just under two percent of the active shooting population uh, that have that have attained the rank of grandmaster. And uh, I see classifiers all the time that have a, a grandmaster score distribution of 1.87 or 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 1.9 or 2.1, but it's generally right around 2%. And when people say, "Well, why don't you move to a distribution model?" It's it's really quite simple. I, I'm a grandmaster in PCC division in USPSA, and if I shoot on point, I shoot a grandmaster score in a match. If I don't shoot on point, not only in the match, but on the classifier, my, my bad score, if I have a terrible day and shoot 50% and zero half the stages, that score falls within the distribution. 
So you would have to do a true distribution model. You would have to eliminate scores that fell outside of someone's current classification. And so it's, it's, it's real important to see that, it, it, that we're, what we're measuring is the people who are able to shoot near the top of the game, not, you know, the people who are, are, are on a moving uh, 5% or moving 15% or moving uh, 25% when you look at the top three, top three classifications. Well, that's a really good point, Mike, because in the Steel Challenge Shooting Association, you never, I mean, other than the reset we're going to do with the uh, peak stage times now, you never drop your percentage. Uh, if you get faster and you, you hit that upper bar, you've now set your upper bar. You can shoot the next 10 times and not make that, and nothing changes. But that's not the same in USPSA. You know, it's your, I know the, the algorithm is set, but it feels like magic, but it's the last six of eight, but you throw out duplicates and all this kind of stuff. But the point is, is that you can go down. Um, in fact, I did. I was I was close to making master in PCC, and then I had some bad classifiers, but they weren't totally bad. They were still within the range of of being acceptable, and so uh, my percentage went down a little bit. But that never happens in Steel Challenge, so you're always just improving. But you've got to continue to do that to continually move it up. Right. It's it's important to note that both systems do, in fact, ratchet up or, or, or level out at some point. Uh, in USPSA, as you mentioned, if you're competing constantly more than 5% below your classification level, that doesn't count against you. If you have a bad day, that doesn't count against you. So while you can lower your percentage, uh, it, you can't lower it dramatically uh, because of the way the algorithm works. And Steel Challenge is exactly the same way. Uh, the only time that you could ever lower your percentage in steel challenge is on your initial classification. If you were to earn it with four of the of the eight stages, and then go back and shoot the other eight uh, at a at a lesser percentage, your average may be less than what you earned initially. But we still don't take that classification away. It's quite it, it's it's quite common in USBSA, a little less common in steel challenge. Now I can see that, and I think part of that uh, with the the commonality is that with the USPSA, it sometimes takes a couple of matches before you can get classified, where a lot of times you can go to a single steel challenge match and earn your classification right away. Absolutely. And, 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 and in fact, even, even if a club is shooting the minimum of two of the original eight stages mixed with some outlaw stages, you can still get classified in two matches uh, or in a month's time. Uh, the idea was to, to be able to attain a classification quickly. And, you know, with everyone shooting two and most people shooting either four or eight at all levels, uh, it's real easy to get classified. Uh, I enjoy going to a match and trying to shoot under the PST as my match score. Uh, even though that doesn't earn me anything as far as the classification systems go, it's, uh, it, you know, it, it allows me to see that I am adequately classified. Uh, and I did that recently, and it was a, a gold mine, and uh, you know I was quite pleased to, to to do so. Mike, let me back up real quick. You mentioned that Steel Challenge, as of this week, has fifteen thousand classifications or competitors that are classified. Is that correct? It's fifteen thousand classifications. That does not represent fifteen thousand unique competitors. 
because some people are classified in multiple divisions. In fact, those of us on this call are classified in quite a few. Uh, I'm one of the four people who've uh, classified in uh, all 13 divisions. So I represent, you know, a, a little bit uh, more of that total uh, than some people. So, so I don't have the number in front of me today here from the nationals about uh, how many unique uh, individuals are classified, but I know that uh, the IT director at USPSA and Steel Challenge, Rick Brotel, is working with Zach Jones uh, on uh, some information that he requested recently that will tell us how many unique individuals uh, are classified in our shooting. So we have the technology, it's just not a number that we track every week. That's amazing growth, and uh, I think we talked a little bit on the last podcast, and a lot of that uh, success of the sport, I know Zach Jones posted out on his personal Facebook page about the 15,000 classification count. You know, Zach and Donna Jones have done so much for the sport, and, and if you get an opportunity, this is for the audience, reach out to Zach at USPSA.org and and uh, send him a, just a brief note of appreciation because he does a lot of this stuff on his personal time. And, and I know me and Jeff as well are very grateful for all the work that Zach has done because it's just not, you know, running numbers or stats at matches. He's doing a lot of coordination, helping out clubs become affiliated, helping out, you know, individual competitors with gear and, and those sorts of things. He's just been such a resource for all of us. He's so committed in fact, that it's easy to forget sometimes that he has a regular Monday through Friday job. And he shows up at Steel Challenge matches on Wednesday and, and Thursday and stays through the weekend. And, and he's using paid time off from his real-world job to, uh, you know, to help make a go of this. And he's been instrumental in, in, in the success of Steel Challenge over the last couple of years. And so I would echo that. Anytime you see him, know that he's there on his own time, even though we help him get there, he's uh, he's he, he's he's totally doing this in addition to working a full-time job in the uh, in the tech world. Let me ask you this, Mike. There's been some feedback after our podcast when we announced the changes, and after the newsletter bulletin went out from USPSA. There's some competitors out there that are expressing some concerns around they're a grandmaster today, they're over, you know, 95% or above, and now that they're, uh, the peak times are changing, their new classification is going to be somewhere right around, let's just say, 94% as an example, and so their, their classification is not going down, their classification percentage is going down, so what I mean by that is, is that they're still going to be competing against other grandmasters unless if they petition to go down in classification. You know, what's USPSA's thought about about that? Wow. You would have to ask what USPSA's thought instead of my thought because, you know, I'm just going to say buy ammo or buy a range like you did in practice. <laughs> hey, you know what, Mike? I knew the times were coming, so I had to sell my house. It was a little bit of a tough sell with my wife. But I said, hey, look, honey, this is really what we need to do. And so I started throwing out calculations to her, and somehow I just baffled her. And she said, okay, let's let's do that if it makes you happy. So, yeah, I'm enjoying the new home range, and I'm working on some of my classifications right now. I can see that you probably took an amortization table for the new mortgage and the peak stage time table with you uh, to the closing. <laughs> I, I did. True story. Yeah. Yeah. Nah. So, so anyway, to, 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 answer, to answer that question, because it's a very valid question, and that is, 
I was just about to make A or master or GM, and now it's going to be more difficult. I, I, want, I want to put that in, into perspective. Classification systems are never a moment in time. They're made to evolve as the sport evolves. And if you look just a few years ago, the pros were still shooting in the 80s. And now we have divisions where pros are shooting 62, 63, 64. And I think we'll see a 59 in one of the low ready divisions next year. So as that evolves, and as, as we all continue to chase it, the sport evolves. And, and if you look at Steel Challenge going from 3,000 to 15,000 classifications in just two years, we're in an early developmental part of what's possible when it comes to peak stage times and when it comes to world championship wins for you know overall. And because of that, the classification systems have to evolve. I was quoted recently as saying, think of it like this, you're never more than a year behind. That, that's ideal. If you look at all of the best shooters in Steel Challenge or USPSA or even athletes in other games, and you go back 10 years, the, the, the sports always get faster. They always evolve. People who are running track, track and field, uh, people who are, are, are playing baseball, the statistics have evolved to a point where athletes are constantly getting more and more out of the game, and we're no different. Our equipment's more reliable than it's ever been. Ammunition's better than it's ever been practice is a real thing you know when I started shooting uh, people didn't talk about practice people didn't talk about how to get better people didn't share techniques and today we have that we have it in such a way that as long as you have access to the internet or the time to go to a major match that you can talk to the pros you can watch their videos you can see there's no secret to that so as those sports evolve we want to evolve classification system with them uh, so that it's not just a moment in time. Uh, I think we can all go back and race against the times that were being set 30 years ago and beat them today. A lot of people can do that. So there wouldn't be anything special about it if we weren't constantly reaching for a higher and higher and higher goal. Well, Mike, that's well, a good point because I, uh, I was fortunate enough this year uh, to have a good showing in PCC at the match in uh, Covington, uh, the U.S. Steel Shoot. My time, I came in third, and my time would have been first the previous year. And to your point, just there, it's faster and faster and faster, and we have to evolve with the times. And so not everybody's going to like it, uh, but uh, it's going to drive everybody to get better, I think. Indeed, it's very exciting. Uh, I, I enjoy uh, seeing uh, Cole or Ethan step up there and shoot in the 60s. Now, a little part of me dies every time I realize that I'm still in the 70s or, or low 80s in some divisions, but it, it's really neat to see that happen. And I think about, you know, when I was a kid, Nolan Ryan was pitching for the Houston Astros, and he had a 96 or 98-mile-an-hour fastball. Well, everybody pitching today has a fastball that's that fast. But at that time, he was the fastest on the earth. Yeah, well, you know, we were fortunate enough to talk to Max, and, you know, we I went back and, you know, being a historian of the sports that I participate in, his sub-seven smoke and hope was actually the first time in a major that a centerfire gun went under eight seconds on a stage. And how long has the Steel Challenge been around? 30 years plus? So yeah, for, you know... 
and that's that's just a testament not only to Max but to say again times are changing evolving he uh, he discussed the uh, the numbers that were thrown out there when there was uh, some big sponsors and nobody thought that uh, 80 was possible and BJ's done it and it's going to continue to to be that way and so i think the people that are you know right on those you know just made grandmaster you're still a grandmaster you made it your percentage might be lower well I know a lot of people aren't going to like this, but as you pointed out, get some ammo, get on a range, get practicing, and get better. It just sounds so simple. I know. <laughs> there, There is no magic pill. It is practice. And it's interesting you talk about Cole and, and, and the upcoming um, segment where he talks about, you know, dry fire and how instrumental that is. Uh, you know, as, as I think about it, I have enough steel in my garage to set up all eight stages, but it, but I'm not getting any better with it still sitting in the garage and me sitting somewhere else. And so a little bit of work goes a long way. Uh, I practiced just a little bit this year and shot several matches and have set several personal bests myself. And if I can do it, anybody can do it. And, and I think we're seeing a lot of regular guys. I mean, this is not just about Max Michelle or DJ Norris or Casey Acebio. I mean, those guys are all great. But you're, but you're seeing a lot of people that two years ago no one had ever heard of, and they're in the hunt at a lot of big matches. We know there's a great little uh, spreadsheet that Tony Martin put together with a little help from Zach Jones, and it's... <laughs> <laughs> the, the Tony num- Martin Fantasy League, that's what yeah. I call it. <laughs> I had dinner it was... with Tony Martin one night this week, and I said, hey, bro, why is the Fantasy League not up to date? You have a bad match or something? <laughs> <laughs> but again i think i think the cool thing about that is is you see it's not all pros i mean casey's there jesse's there max is there but so are you so is jason edwards so is tony steve i'm lucky and i'm on the list um Absolutely. and these are people these are average joes you know we're not making a living at all at this sport where some of those other names are, but that doesn't mean that we can't compete. And I mean, I think if you look at, I mean, you're shooting the nine days of nationals right now. And Steve just got done shooting the Tennessee state. It's getting the matches. It's getting to practice. It's putting the work in. There is like you pointed out, there is no magic pill. Uh, the other way I've heard it is there is no shooting gene. You don't, you're not born a shooter. You may have some attributes, good legs, good eyes that can help, but, you know, there is no trigger finger that you're born with. You got to work on that. It's very perishable too. I notice if I take time off, you know, that when I come back, it takes a little while to get back in that groove. And it's frustrating when you shoot like a 10 second smoke and hope, and you're like, I can do better than this. Well, Mike, uh, thank you for again for being on the uh, podcast. Do you have any closing thoughts? I, I do. W- w- one thing that, that we'll talk about, you know, we talked about, you know, who's who's shooting scores, and we we didn't exactly cover the distribution piece, but uh, as it stands today, there are 650 out of 15,093 classifications that are Grandmaster. That represents 4% of the population as GM. There are another 850 masters that represents 6%. So master and grandmaster are the top 10% uh, of the population 
which in this case is, is, is 1,500 uh, classifications. From there, it goes to A class, which is an 11% distribution, down to B, which is 29. C is the largest at 39%, and D behind it at 12%. So if you look at the dead center of the demographic, the dead center of the talent pool, it is the C class shooter followed by the B class shooter. Um, so those uh, are, are the people who continually strive to get better. And uh, we don't want the, the, the new peak stage times to be discouraging because just like anything else, as you move down the scale, it has less impact. And so to those folks, I say hang in there. Nobody in that top 10% uh, started there. We all started down in the middle in, in, in C or B class. And, uh, you know, as you, as you move up and, and, and try to be competitive and try to win B and, and, and C class awards at matches, uh, consider yourself ratcheting up. You don't want to be the first C class guy for the rest of your life. I, I think at some point you want to move into B class. And so, you know, that, that's my parting word is, is, is don't get discouraged and don't let a 4% change uh, discourage you from reaching a goal when that 4% change represents a fraction on each stage. Good words, Very Mike. Nice. Thank you. All right. Cool. Anything else we might want to touch on? I'm going to edit all this out. You yeah. feel good, Mike? Anything else oh, you want to share? Uh, I, that's, that's really all I have. Like I said, we're, we're here at the Nationals, and I've been hanging out with uh, Brian Connolly from uh, Hunter's HD Gold, and we've been talking about Steel Challenge and talking about the calendar next year and, and, and all that we have going on. And, and I just really appreciate you guys staying engaged with the sport and doing what you're doing here on your podcast. And hopefully uh, uh, look forward to a time when we can uh, talk about the next big thing together. Fantastic. Well, you know, um, it, next board meeting, if if you have the inclination to say that, you know, the senior division cutoff at 55 is the end of the match instead of the beginning of the match. Don't do it, Mike. Uh, I'm all for that because the world speed shoot ends on my birthday this next year. You know, that's an interesting thing, Jeff. And, and maybe that was intentional. Who knows? <laughs> you know, I had someone come up to me not too long ago and they said, you know, Mike, the new 65-year-old super seniors are ruining the game for us really old guys. <laughs> hey, funny. listen, even I talked to Max one day, and, and, and I said, you know, you're either chasing somebody or being chased. And he looked at me, and he goes, that's the truth. Yeah. You know, it's, it's one or the other. And, you know, it's nice to be the guy that's being chased, but that just means you got everybody gunning for your spot. Hey Mike, how's uh how's Hunter's HD Gold doing down at the match? Is Brian pretty busy? Uh, Brian is extremely busy. Um, we've been uh, uh, talking, uh, you know, very short spurts as 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 the traffic's down. But uh, there've been a lot of people buying Hunter's HD Gold glasses. The, the words out on them. Uh, I'm That's personally cool. wearing them. I wore them in the entire uh, match. Uh, I just finished uh, single stack division today. I wore them the entire match, in, in, inside, outside, uh, in the sun, in the overcast. Uh, not only do I think that they make the edges of steel challenge targets pop, 
but they make the perfs on USPSA targets pop. I'm a big fan myself, and Brian sold a lot of glasses, but one of the things that, that I really appreciate about Brian is he's put glasses on our prize table. A very special thing that he's done is, he, is we've raffled off at each awards a, a really nice custom pair, and yeah. one of our ROs was a lucky recipient uh, last night at the uh, at the RO appreciation dinner of, of a pair. Uh, but but there are a lot of people buying them. They're really catching on, and, and I, I'm seeing uh, uh, more and more Hunter's HD Gold out there. And, and Brian's such a nice guy, and constantly working on things, thinking about the the next step. And uh, he's already committed to being with us uh, next year, not only at the uh, uh, World Speed Shooting Championship, but at the uh, USPSA High Cap Nationals in Utah. And so I think uh, I think maybe he's even got his wife excited about you know a Utah vacation you know coupled with the match and and so uh, that's what's going on with Brian since you asked. Oh, uh, that's cool. He's a great guy.